Is she coming back? We're working on scheduling. Females so hard. They're always washing their hair, getting their hair done, or whatever. Um, shopping. That's like Scott level trolling so right good. there. <laughs> anyway. What are your thoughts, Han? On having having this interview. I need beer. I need beer. I need beer. (laughs) Jeff, are you referring to our guest coming up at the top of the hour? (laughs) Oh, sorry. We're recording. (laughs) That's right. I thought we were just going to shoot the shit. We are. We are shooting the S. Um, I just started my sentence with um. Where's the taser? I'm working on not saying like tonight. Or well, any time after this in any conversation, we've got a guest coming up that um, he was actually just on the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. Never even heard of it. Okay. Scott and I went to a live recording of the Heretic Happy Hour. Oh. And to our listeners, that's a free plug. That's a good podcast. Some of you probably already know it. I want to work on getting those guys on individually. Wait a second. Is this the one where Scott left? Or Scott, you left, and Scott was left behind, and he was in deep conversation. Yes. Maybe, maybe everybody By hated deep, him. Deep conversation, I think he probably was arguing with everyone he could find. But we go to this live taping in Orange, which, you know, a 20-minute drive from us in the, the uh, SoCal studio. And it was a good time. It's the Hell two-part episode. I think it's called What the Hell or Hell Yes, Hell No. Some, it's some play on Hell. And... So if you listen to that in the second half in part two, you'll hear Scott represent Bros Bibles Beer. He does get our name mentioned. Uh, good on him. And it was question and answer time. And he decided to use that time to give a dissertation. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Scott? Scott would never do that. <laughs> Which I like their answers. And Keith Giles was like, hey, you just said like four things. Let me respond. Uh, it was pretty good. Uh, but anyways, so... That's kind of uh, Matthew DeStefano is one of the hosts. He has a column on Pathios under the title All Set Free. A guest columnist wrote a column called, mm, well, I have it here. Mm-hmm. Reasons, prayer. I'll just pull up. He wrote a guest column, this guy, Mark Harris. This is how I was introduced to him. He wrote a column at Pathios called Four Reasons Why Prayer is Ineffective, Harmful, and Makes a Good God Look Really Bad. So I see a title like that. I'm like, okay, I'm reading this. This That's provocative. I just read it to my wife. Well, the first point, yeah. along with the intro to my wife this evening before I came over here. And then I asked her, what do you think about that? And she started answering. She's like, well... Well, people do that, just human nature. Okay, uh, one red flag. Oh, human nature that they that pray they, they, when they, they pray? They pray, and I get it. It's I'm going to preface our conversation with, with Mr. Karras with that people are begging God, 
and she went down that path. But then she said, but then there's other things where, you know, we pray for this. I'm like, but are we not still begging to God to <laughs> go a certain direction? Yeah. And that was really interesting because I was only on point one. And doesn't the Bible kind of tell us to do that? So I, I don't want to like, I don't want to tease this out too much before right. we talk to him, but it's, it was super provo- provocative. Turns out he's got this book. It's called Divine Echoes, Reconciling Prayer with the Uncontrolling Love of God. Uh, I'm learning he's uh, a hell of a title writer. I mean, Uncontrolling Love of God, Reconciling Prayer. Just wait until my book comes out. Yeah. Marriage, The Terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> now is that marriage semicolon the terrorist? It sure is. Marriage, marriage, parentheses. marriage colon the terrorist. <laughs> hey, cheers! Not the marriage terrorist, which is a different thing. But I, I've been mentioning to, I've been mentioning to, meaning to dyslexia. I've been meaning to mention that holy heretics, not holy heretics, different podcast, also good. Check them out too. We're just giving out free free plugs. Uh, Heretic Happy Hour, uh, that live recording we went to, it was it was really fun, and it was funny because during the question and answer, there's a few people that answered asked questions, none of which were just like, "Hey, what do you say about blah blah blah." None of it was like, "Here's a question for you, please answer it." They did. See Everything it. was prefaced yeah. by a, a soliloquy, and I remember nudging Scott and I kind of whisper, "I'm like." Okay, these people are great, but do me a favor and ask a question. Don't right. do what these people are doing. Be the one to ask a question. And what does he do? He starts talking and he can't stop talking. Right. He I'm like I'm like nudging him in the knee. Diarrhea of the mouth. Yeah. I mean it was good statements and he wanted clarification as Scott does. Um and he, I He just wanted to make sure that everybody was clear on the entire book of Luke. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Gwen. Okay, the TV's not working. What, what show was it on? Um, it was on the Olympic Channel. I don't know what it was. Though. Okay, well I can't do anything about Can it now. Help? Maybe, no. Not, not right now. Okay. I'm saying important things into a microphone. The world needs to hear what what, what these two white people have to say. Where's Scott? When? Where's Scott? Wow! Oh my God! Whoa! <laughs> In her defense, usually the window's not open, and when the window is closed, the door doesn't slam like that. Also, she is a little um, <laughs> firecracker. I will say that, and I'll, I'll admit this to him, prayer is something I struggle with. And <laughs> Wait, but the prayer, that, the prayer that you're, just in general... Or the prayer that we're going to be talking about Asking within God his book for stuff or to do stuff, help me gotcha. to feel better. Gotcha. Help, you know that stuff I don't do anymore. However, I was requested. I had an opportunity to potentially speak at an event. I was invited to, and it was something that a few years ago I would have said no because I'm I'm afraid. However, I ended up saying no, but not because I was afraid. I just don't think. I'm prepared. Like it's not, I don't, I'm not prepared to do what I feel like I need to do to give a speech justice regarding my story. 
So I ended up saying no, but leading up to it, man, I was back in like old Zach mode. God, just give me a sign. You know, just, just, I just, I'm looking for clarity here. God, please, Jesus, give me anything I can. And that was kind of, it amused myself. Not, I don't think God was upset that I did that or, or it's neither here nor there. It's more, I was amused with myself falling back into an old pattern. That's not necessarily wrong. It's just not where I'm typically at now. What I want to do is think about prayers that we can ask Mark about and then ask him, can we ask God that? Can we pray about that? Would that be okay? Or are we belittling God? I have one prayer in mind that you've do it. performed. Oh, wait, what? Do it. Right now? Yes. It involved you telling the devil to get the fuck out of your house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love it. Another would be... I'm glad you're okay with it because I was just going to bring it up whether or not you were okay with it. God, that. bring... No you, no, you weren't. God, bring me in line with your will. How about that one? What do you think Mark will say about that? It is Mark, right? Mark Harris? Yes, Mark okay. Gregory Harris. Okay. And that so, is uh, markgregorycaris.com. K-A-R-R-I-S. Okay. So what do you think about that prayer? What do you think he'll say? Still begging? Hmm. I don't know. I, I'm sure at the end of his book, he's not just shitting on prayer. He lays out what he sees as a problem and then provides potential solutions. And he gives examples of pe- prayers that people have actually prayed, like publicly, right. and provides a few tweaks and stuff like that. So we'll get into that. Okay, That's so was, was the piece that you sent before that link today, sorry, people, was that his quote on Lay Your Hands? Yes. Okay, oh my gosh, this is going to be a great conversation. There's so... In fact, we should not have Scott here. Scott's going to talk for 45 minutes. Well, Scott was supposed to be here. For all we know, he's, I don't know, he's in a ditch somewhere. God, God, please give Scott traveling mercies. <laughs> <laughs> dear Jesus, please bring Scott safely here. Dear baby Jesus, dear eight, eight pound, six ounce baby Jesus, oh, bring Scott home. Bring Scott home to BBB Pod Central. You know that prayer in... Talladega Nights. When I first saw that, it's funny, but it made me uncomfortable because I was still in kind of my old pattern of, I would call it for me personally, it was more... This is heresy. I was superstitious towards God. And and Uh, so like, but I've learned to love it because it does a great job pointing out flaws in that kind of prayer. It makes it look ridiculous because... It might be ridiculous. It might be praying like that while cartoonish and over the top. How many times do we pray like that? Just not quite as cartoonish and over the top. And we feel good about it. But it, basically, we're doing a version of Will Ferrell. You know, Will right. Ferrell and... and um, who's the other guy? John C. Riley. F and A. John C. Riley. I like to picture Jesus like a samurai. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so... So good. We all have our own versions of that. And and that's okay. Everybody's on a journey. We got to remember to talk to Mark about superstitions because when I was when I was reading his article that we're going to talk about the idea of praying and not getting it's like I I got to make sure I say this every single time or 
the super like it, if I don't, oh my goodness, it won't come true. Yeah, like baseball players going up to bat like every single time I pray or right. whatever they go through the, the ritual. Yeah, every time. Yeah, the glove, the bat, the what, however they do it, and it's almost as if how people pray is kind of like superstition and that can get dangerous mm-hmm. but i guess mark will unveil everything tonight and i think this is going to be challenging for a lot of people it it definitely goes against all of christianity well i think it goes against what most people feel like for good reason i mean it is in the bible there are you know make your submit your request to god and there's a lot of verses that seem to tell us to do exactly that is to pray for things and like try to pray for the right things, try to pray in line with God's will, but still nonetheless pray in Jesus name, your requests. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be challenging, but be challenged. That's, I love the, this type of stuff. I love the challenge. I, that's kind of what the mission of this podcast for me personally has morphed into. Whereas before it's like, let's just drink and talk about God and not think about it too much. But now it's like, there's a big tent under what following Christ can mean like much bigger than I ever thought a few years ago. And Mark's one of those guys that's going to challenge and impress and, you know, it's been a long... Dis- disagree with it. That's fine, yeah. but chew on it. There's. It's been a long time since I have been excited about a guest. <laughs> that's a, and if you look at our guest list, that's almost pro- profanity to say It is, that. and that's the opinion of Jeff Pearson, Jeff Shut at brosbiblesandbeer.com. Yes, at brosbiblesandbeer, and I'm a third of this podcast. That's so. a third of the opinion of the podcast. But let me get my reasoning... And it's nothing against some really popular people in Christianity that we've had before. Shut up, Zach. Greg no, Boy- Greg Boyd. Stop, Sarah Heath. S- stop, female pastors. What's that? Exactly that. Female pastors. That's crazy. Is it? <laughs> I did like Sarah Heath, and I, 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 I'm eager for her return. Is she coming back? We're working on scheduling, ladies okay. and gentlemen. Sarah okay. Heath. There's a little sneak peek. Females so hard. They're always washing their hair, or getting their <laughs> hair done, or whatever. Um, shopping. That's like Scott level trolling, <laughs> so right good. there. It's so good. <laughs> anyway, it's the idea that Mark is Mark Harris is bringing this idea that is very um, non-conforming. Like if he sat, if he stood in front of a of a group of a thousand Christians. And and spoke the words that he's that he is stating within his book. Oh my goodness! There there might be a stoning on site, and Mark would be dead. People have killed for less at at certain points in history. The, the church has killed for less than what Mark, than what Mark is suggesting. I love people who go against the grain because he's going against it, the grain. We need people to. Man, we are really washing them up right now. But I'm I'm stoked because we need people to ask the questions. It doesn't mean it's always right. We need people to think freely and to think outside the box. All at the same time, Mark is trying to follow Christ. Can I? Are you laughing? Can I play Scott right now? Yes. Um, what do you mean, uh, Zach? 
Wait, um, can you try so, okay. transform into Scott? You can do this. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> so, is there a question in there, Scott? Yeah. So, if I was had all the knowledge of the Bible and read it nonstop, I would have Scott's soliloquy for ten minutes. But let's just jump ahead. So, wait, what did you say? (laughs) (laughs) The, uh, I don't remember what you said. I'm dead dead serious. Is that still Scott? No. I'm dead serious. I totally forgot. But there was something that he would call you out. Oh, freedom. Like thinking freely. Oh, really? We're supposed to think free? Or are we supposed to be in line with God's will, which puts us in line with God's will. Yeah. You know, I do notice. I and re- I would jump to the conclusion for Scott. I would respond, Scott, this is, this is great. Scott, you're here. Scott, there is freedom in that will. Neuter me in this. Scott, what do you think about freedom? People are just doing whatever they want, and they're saying this is God's Will for me. The uh, 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 that's interesting, Scott. I'm, I'm interesting answer. All right, fair enough. Scott, you're always saying stuff like that. It's very restrictive. It's okay, stupid. I don't really appreciate that. But Zach, I, I understand the need or the want for clarification, Scott. I want to clarify because I'm the clarifier. But sometimes I feel like if you just listen. A little more clearly, you could decipher the intent the person is going for and not get so hung up on uh, the details or the exact wording of phrases. What say you, Scott? Separate the sheep from the goats. Okay. (laughs) You know, I just don't understand why you don't... Judge chairs from the wheats, yo, boom. Understand clearly when someone says... Love, God is loving. <laughs> that you ask for clarification. Scott, were you loved as a child? Is there some void in your life? <laughs> that is something. Uh, Scott, there's a habit I'm noticing that you just. Potentiality to get juicy. You don't necessarily want to ask answer directly. Uh, do you try to turn people's questions and you answer them with a question to try to trap them and make them look foolish. Don't quote me, bro. That's something. (coughs) Why do you do that? You need a big pole. When do you do that? (laughs) Keep that theological scooter train rolling. How do you do that? (laughs) Where do you do that? Hank, I applaud you on your strong vagina. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't. (laughs) I so regret this whole conversation. All right, real quick, before we call Mark up, we've had a couple people... Give us five stars on iTunes recently. However, there were no words attached to it. <laughs> That's so, what I do for everything So that I like. If you've done that recently or if you would like to do that on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, uh, leave us a rating and then write a few words. That'd be great. We'll read it. You'll be podcast famous, and uh, but no profanity. Maybe you, you dropped an F-bomb. If you drop an F-bomb, Apple will weed that out. So maybe that's the reason. We have fans that are vocally... Percussively swearingers, swearing, swearingers. Did you say percussively? Yes. I don't know how that. I'm a drummer, Jeff. So I don't know. I just drop those words in. <laughs> drummer related, paradiddle, per, you know, syncopation. 
<laughs> Anyways, rate and review us iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, feedback, Bros Bibles, Beer on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Separate the sheep from the goats. Jeff, shut up, Scott. Let's do it. Oh yeah, show notes, resources. We'll have the links to the article, pictures, uh, links to books, everything on the website bbbpod.com, or yeah. as Scott would say it, yeah. bbbpod. Read the article. It's it's intriguing, and it will definitely um, bring up some conversation if you're sitting with people who like to converse about Christianity, beliefs, prayer, all the above. And then buy the book. Yeah. Divine Echoes. Mark Gregory Karras. Let's do it. Hello, Mark. Hello. Hey. How you doing? Wow, it's a nice Marshall behind you. Yeah, that's my wall of sound that I can't <laughs> I can't seem to get rid of. It comes nice. up from time to time. If you know somebody that wants uh, way more sound than they actually need, I wouldn't mind selling it. So just to let you know, we are recording from the top. So anything you say from this point on will okay. be held against you. <laughs> awesome. Have you been in San Diego? Did you grow up down there? No, I'm actually from New York. Okay. And I married my wife and her family's from San Diego. So, yeah, I've been uh, living here and it's much, much better than New York. Yeah. I could uh, uh, for, forgive any New York listeners. I know. Yeah. <laughs> forgive me. Uh, I think they can understand that. Yeah. How long have you been there? Been there here. Well, was here for about three years and just got back from Japan for about three and a half years. Just came back in the fall. Um, wife uh, was in the Navy, so we're back here in San Diego. Oh, interesting. That's yeah. definitely a, a Navy town. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. I don't know if you can see, if you have your video on. I'm, I'm Zach. I'm in the hat. Jeff is with me. And we have a third that is not here. We actually don't know where he is. He's AWOL. <laughs> yeah. We were, we were just praying for his traveling mercies. And then we thought we, we would ask oh you about my. that. <laughs> <laughs> we figure he'll yep. die on the road. No, he won't. God will single-handedly and unilaterally save him. Yeah, we will. Yes. We'll get to that. But I am glad you are on. I, I read your guest piece on Pathios on the All Set Free uh, on prayer. And man, that was, I saw that. It was super provocative. And a lot of it's from your book, or you adapted it from your book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But uh, prayer is something I, I've fairly recently had a reconstruction after a deconstruction and prayer is one of those things that it wasn't quite the same cognitive dissonance. I didn't really think about it in terms of how it makes God look. Although there's probably some of that. It was more, I realized how silly and I, I just felt stupid asking God for things as I had a growing awareness of what's going on in the world around me. And mm -hmm. I have a second property that I'm renting out and the renters aren't paying and I'm asking people to pray for my second house. I mean, it, it just feels silly, uh, in the, in the grand context of things. So yeah, it, it really yeah. resonated with me. Now you have a theological foundation and construct 
to really give that uh, silliness some uh, some warrant, you know. Yeah. Yeah. One of the uh, one of the quotes I wrote down from your book is my cognitive dissonance was screaming for resolution to this petitionary puzzle. Which yeah, I man, I mean, I, I'm such an emo guy. I'm so like, <laughs> dude, don't take things too seriously, man. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Are we actually starting the podcast or are we waiting for that guy? Oh, yeah, we're going. We're, we're going. We're going. If he oh, shows this up, is, great. Yeah. Oh, this is it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I actually would like to hear your... I know I've seen it, but if you would, um, for our listeners, just your credentials, yep. background. In- sure. Credentials. Wow, it sounds so formal. Um, <laughs> We're very formal at Bros Bibles and Beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a licensed therapist, so that was a long road getting there. Um, I'm an ordained pastor. I was actually ordained in 2010, believe it or not, in a Southern Baptist church. Interesting. Of course, uh, I'm a, a bit of ways from that uh, ethos. Yeah. Um, yeah, so a master's, uh, the master's in counseling and the MDiv uh, went through that and working through my PsyD right now, a doctorate in psychology. Interesting. It uh, never stops. No, never stops. But, the, the, you know, I, as I look back, I think there's good reasons why I'm so hungry for knowledge, for truth, uh, and uh, to to help people and to have a world that's a little bit more uh, lovelier than uh, when I first uh, arrived on it. And you have yeah. you're uh, married. You got family. Yeah, mar- married, uh, beautiful uh, wife and child, uh, nine month old. It's totally C- ransacking my life. Yeah. yeah. Congrats. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's he's incredible. It's complete life change. My yeah, life absolutely. is no longer own. Um, I'm his. I, I serve him. Yeah. <laughs> Whether you feel like it or not. Yes, sir. That's <laughs> what the fathering is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what was... I, I, I'm familiar a little bit having read most of your book, but... How do you get to this point with what you what you believe about prayer now compared mm-hmm. to what you used to believe about prayer? There's so many stories to tell, but you know, I was in the actual the oneness Pentecostal tradition. So there you have a Pentecostal tradition there. You know, I got saved around uh, 21. And I talk about in my book and you probably I don't know if you read it, but mm-hmm. There's a lot of sort of foundational experiences that became the seeds that you know brought this book into fruition. Yeah, and and so you know we have my mother, drug addict. Um, you know when I became a Christian, just constantly praying. Uh, you know with the church, it was warring for my mother's soul, battling the 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 demonic realm that mm-hmm. Satan would release the grip uh, that he had on her. And so, yeah, a lot of prayer, a lot of fasting, uh, you know, deliverance services. But she would eventually die from a drug overdose, right? Mm. And and then you have my brother diagnosed with uh, paranoid schizophrenia, 
Now, there I am warring again. You know, I'm 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 praying, I'm I'm begging, I'm petitioning God on behalf of my brother, right? And of course, my desire was for the all-powerful God of love and the great physician to heal him completely. And of course, my view of God, speaking of view of God, mm-hmm. I thought God can instantly sla- snap his fingers, right? The, the great physician, all he yeah. had to do was say the word healed, mm-hmm. and my brother's neuronal connections would fire properly again. God just needed to snap his fingers, but God didn't. And to this day, my brother sits in a prison cell probably for the rest of his life, with one of the worst diseases of the mind an individual can have. And I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. And that brings us to the Dallas Willard quote, the idea that everything would happen exactly as it does, regardless of whether we pray or not, is a specter that haunts the minds of many who sincerely profess belief in God. And the specter of the failure of prayer haunted me. And I couldn't quite understand, you know, where God was in the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times I'm, I'm praying, begging, and wailing for God to heal my family members. So that was kind of some of the seeds, and then I began to question, right? Begin to mm-hmm. look at the church's prayers and look at my own prayers, and that was that was kind of tough, really looking at the, uh, you know, if it's so effective, why does evil occur in so many places? Is more prayer better? Does God increase his act of love because a larger number of people pray, right? Does 20 or 30 people pray and God's like, oh, finally, they got to the number 30. I'm Mm -hmm. so glad they did that prayer chain. Now I'm going to single-handedly change this event and change this person. And so some of these ideas around prayer and the view of God, it bugged the heck out of me. And so that was a big, uh, big start. It was difficult. I offended myself. Uh, wow. But, uh, yeah. So that was kind of the start of the whole deconstruction process, if you will. I had um, my own my own experience. Oh, man. I had a four-month-old boy that passed away from some health problems. Um, this was uh, years ago. But it, it didn't affect me immediately. It didn't affect my faith or my view of God. Uh, immediately things were relatively stable but i think it it planted the seed where going through that process and and recognizing maybe some of the failings of the healthcare system or some of the medical professionals yeah um, which it's when it dawned on me that they are literally i mean they know a lot there's a lot of information obviously but when they say they're practicing medicine sometimes they're actually just practicing medicine and mm kind of learning to question authority in a way I'd never done before, which kind of set off a political questioning for me before it got to religious, where I started to question the traditions or what I'd personally been given and what, what I thought was actually in the Bible, just starting to ask those questions, which is just a long journey to kind of where I'm at now, which, Mm. you know, definitely not finished, but yeah. It, it's amazing how those events, I, I, like, I want people to be able to change and ask questions and to humble themselves and to actually seek the truth apart from what they thought was always true without having to go through something like losing a child or your mom or, or your brother's situation. Uh, 
is yeah, there anything yeah. like how do people that haven't had a big catalyst moment kind of open themselves up to new ideas that are challenging and maybe yeah. even offensive at first? You know, you, you got to have the one to and uh, the one to usually comes from suffering. It usually comes from some traumatic event that jolts your your view of self, view of others, view of the world, view of God. I recently talked to a pastor, said, Mark, I could care less about this. My my view of God is stable. I don't need to question this. And it, it was a sad interaction because he, he, I don't know how much to say, but he doesn't even want me to speak at his church about this, mm. right? He finds it not edifying. And so, yeah, it hurts. Um, I mean, I worked in that church for three years, and uh, I probably will never be invited back to the church. But, yeah, so there's people who who don't care, who consider it sacrilege to even uh, question, you know, the Bible says it, that that should be enough, Mark. Mm-hmm. And I've had, like I said in the book, I, I mean, I didn't want to do this alone. So I asked pastor, after pastor, after scholar, what is prayer? How does it work? I wanted to wrestle with this in community. And you would be surprised how many people don't question this stuff. Yeah. And And I've even gotten, Mark, what you say logically makes sense. But the Bible says it, in, and that's enough for me. Yeah. What's amazing is how people interpret the Bible, and we, obviously, the pastor that you were speaking to interpreted it one way, and you had an experience in prayer that your interpretation might not have changed, but how things function in Christian prayer might have um, just, you might have just, it sounds like you just wanted to have a discussion and there was no connection points um, within your church. You know, it's it's just not everyone's cup of tea. You know, and I I don't blame them. This is my, you know, as one, uh, I forgot who coined the phrase, this is my holy discontent right now. Mm-hmm. That that's fine if like it prayer makes sense to you, God makes sense to you in prayer. You know, you've never had prayer that that didn't uh, wasn't effective, or God didn't show up, and you've never had grief or losses in that area. That's cool. But for me, I, I'm I feel like at least right now I'm out on a crusade, and it's it's not because I'm better than anyone. It's because two major things. One. The view of God is at stake here. And number two, the uh, amount of suffering and evil in the world is at stake here. And that's something that I, I hope people can get. I'm, I'm not just trying to have fun being a rebel, deconstructive agent who's an island to himself and just wants to stir up stuff for the heck of it. In, in my mind, in, you know, I, I bring this story up of, of the Shables, and I think it's a, in, you know— it's a perfect illustration, right? A, a Christian couple, they love God. In 2009, they suffered the tragic death of their two-year-old son, Kent. Mm-hmm. Kent died of untreated bacterial pneumonia, 
right? So they didn't seek medical treatment because they believed in the power of prayer. They believed in a mighty God to single-handedly take care of their son. And of course they got, you know, they got jail. They, it was it was a big deal, obviously. Mm-hmm. But 2013, the same thing happens to their eight-month-year-old son. And God, the, the eight-month-year-old son died. And, and they believed that through prayer, God would do it. God would single-handedly heal their child. The problem is God didn't. But listen, it's easy to judge those parents for neglecting their children. But how many of us, and this, I had to ask myself this, how many of us are guilty of something similar? How many times throughout our lives have we prayed fervently for those suffering and distress, placing all the responsibility of God to answer our prayers while those for whom we prayed suffered needlessly because we took no responsibility to be part of God's answers to our prayer? Right? How many how many societal ills have gone on for decades while people pray but ne- neglect to use wisdom and take divinely inspired practical actions to provide solutions? Right. right. To me, this is a big deal. Uh-huh. Like, like it's a life and death issue, and I, I I really believe that if people can have less superstitious praying in the world, I think we'd have a better world. There would be more of a uh, a holy responsibility that, oh my God, we are the hands and feet of God in, on the earth. That, yes, I want to share with God my heart. I want to share with him my burdens, my angst, my fears, everything that I got. At the same time, if I'm thinking God's going to take care of it all, that's that's a problem. Okay, that's, Mark. So, Mark, if we go back to your to your mom yeah. or your brother, either one— how would your prayers have changed if you could go back today? Yeah. What would you, what would it look like? What would it sound like? What would your prayers be? Yeah. The, I, I asked myself this and I, I said, my God, where would my brother and my mother be if not only myself, because sometimes a, a prophet's not accepted in his own town. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you know, family mm-hmm. members, it's hard to reach them sometimes. But what it would have been like if my church, if those who loved me and so many people I, I recall, uh, even right now, praying for them, what would it be like? And even myself, God, I know you love my mother more than I do. This mm-hmm. is not your will that she's suffering from the demons of of drug addiction right Mm -hmm. you love her i know if you could god you would heal her but there must be something getting in the way and god i have a sense that must be her own will Mm -hmm. you have given her free choice you didn't create her as a robot god i know that you want something better for her i want to be your hands and feet god can you show me right now in this moment if there's something that I can do really in a practical way, enliven, empower me, give me revelation of what she might need in this very moment that I I could be your hands and feet. And, you know, I don't know where my... That's good. That's so good. I don't know know where my mother and brother would be if the church and myself were to pray, would have prayed like that throughout the years. Because we're talking years Mm -hmm. of, of praying. So it's a sobering question, 
And I think we all need to ask it for whatever person or situation or war-torn nation we're praying for or hurricane-ravaged town we're praying for, God, bring comfort to them. Um, yeah, of, of course God's he's, – he's already on the scene. Right. You don't need to pray God to be on the scene or to offer comfort to his children. Like, hello, is God good all the time <laughs> or is God good some of the time? Right, right. Oh, my goodness. So the rabbit hole gets very deep around the subject. Mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, it does. And so that's what you mentioned is kind of a version of you call it conspiratory prayer or conspiring ah, prayer, which yeah. I want to get to. But you're kind of we haven't really touched on specifically what it what in your view it makes God out to be when we pray a typical intercessory or petitionary prayer. Can you talk about a few of those? Yeah, and certainly you've you've read some of the 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 posting there. But so the, this remember the two things: the view of God and the the evil and suffering in the world. Uh, two big catalysts for me wanting to shout on the rooftops about this subject. Mm-hmm. So, in the typical traditionary prayer, God can be not all the time. I, I see this as a spectrum from immature to mature prayers. Right. This doesn't mean God doesn't like people. That doesn't mean that God doesn't like the intimacy. You know, people say, well, Mark, Mark, why bother with it? God looks at the heart. I know he looks at the heart. Okay, Mm -hmm. this isn't I'm not. Yes, you're a God lover and he loves you so much. Can we talk about some of the deep intricacies of the subject? So God is portrayed in some traditionary uh, traditional petitionary prayers as unloving. Right, I give this example, a Christian relative praying anxiously, God, pour out your love in Aunt Mary. Please save her. God, please, please. Now, the person praying, in my opinion, is unknowing praying is unknowingly praying prayers that are not in alignment with the reality of the profound goodness of God. I mean, God has always loved Aunt Mary, is presently loving her, even as we speak, in ways that we can't even fathom. Um, while we were praying, right? So God's seeking to save Mary, mind, body, and spirit, right? First Timothy, God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. A person doesn't need to twist God's arm or talk him into doing what, in my opinion, automatically flows out of God's nature and character. So praying for God to love, heal, and be gracious to loved ones suggests that God is not loving, healing, and being gracious to them. Yeah. It's like asking it's like asking a world-renowned heart surgeon known for her skill and compassion who is in the middle of performing perfect heart surgery on your family member, uh, 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 excuse me, can you perform the surgery with skill, professionalism, wisdom and care? Yeah. It's the obvious. So, yeah, so if, if she waited to yeah. do that, if she didn't do that unless you asked, what does that say about the surgeon? And are we comfortable with that? I would submit that we are not. Right. Yeah. Is it so? Is that unknowingly questioning the character of the surgeon? Is it unknowingly questioning the character of God? Right. And and so I get into there are prayers that are prayed that are theologically incorrect. Right. God, please don't hate me. Well, I'm sorry, but if you're a Christian, uh, and even if you're not, I, in my opinion, I don't think God hates you. Right. So prayer. That kind of prayer can can doubt the the goodness of God. You talked about traveling mercies. Oh yeah. my goodness. Can, I've yeah. heard that prayer so many times. 
And uh, yeah, it's come on, really? So if we don't pray, God's going to be like, you know what? I just wish four more people prayed for traveling mercies. But since they didn't, I'm sorry, I'm going to allow her relative to get into a car accident. Well, it's it's I was talking to Zach about this earlier about baseball players who have these superstitions. It's just habit, but they do it religiously in that they go up to bat and they do something with their gloves, they do something with their bat, you know, they have a routine and it's if in their mind the psychological piece of it mm-hmm. is that if I don't do this, then I'm not going to be able to hit the ball and do my job well. And and then we look at prayer, people who do these prayers, um, and I think you, you speak to it um, in your book, it's that if, if I don't do this prayer, if I don't say, uh, you know, I pray for traveling mercies, that yes, that it, I mean, uh, just imagining their, the, their mind that if actually someone did get in an accident and they hadn't prayed, they would think, this was my fault because I forgot to pray mm-hmm. for traveling mercies. And that is just, that's painting our God to be a very small piece of the picture instead of the great God that God is. And we, I think conversely, mm-hmm. if they pray and then they do get in an accident, we're really good at oh, right. eliminating counter information to continue to support our view of God or politics or whatever it is. Confirmation oh, yeah. bias. Sure. Uh, which is why I really appreciate people like you kind of pushing the envelope a little bit. I mean, this this book just came out in January, correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, and you, you had a, did did you say you had an editor that quit or said they couldn't, she said she couldn't <laughs> do it because she was afraid of the oh implications? I mean, come on. I, I've been told because of this, I'm, I'm going to hell. I'm a heretic. I mean, these are by people that I thought were, you know, loved me or at least liked me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then this editor is going through it and, you know, I tried to get the best that I could find and, uh, yeah, she sends me an email, you know, I, Mark, I think what you're doing is dangerous. I can't have any part of this. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Hmm. Like I paid for you. I, I paid a down payment on this already. And it's just like, are you serious? Like you can't even finish the job, and uh, and meanwhile I have like fifteen, sixteen endorsements from some conservative and some maybe not, but people who are respected in the Christian community, who are you know they're professionals and theologians, and but she couldn't do it. That is a and, that's a killer list, by the way. Your endorsements. I know. A, I don't a know. A lot of powerhouse names. How'd you, I mean, does that geek you out a little bit? That you... Yeah. I mean, it's for me, I knew that I had to do that in, in some ways because I needed all the backing that I can get because I know I'm going to get a lot of slack for it. So I really reached out to people I knew, people I didn't know. I mean, anything I could do to get people to just, just look at it. You know, don't give me any guarantees. I just want you to read it. Just read, skim it if, if you need to. 
and just reply after reply after reply, yes, 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 yes. And it did surprise me, but I'm very thankful. I don't want to do this as a Lone Ranger. I, I'm yeah. going to need some some help here. <laughs> this So the implications, well, it sounds like somebody that has a general disposition towards the Bible as being God's literal word, and you you if it says it, that's the way God meant it. What are some passages, if you feel like, um, mm. that people rely on to push back against you? And in your view, why might those be taken differently? Well, I do talk about some, some passages in the Bible. Uh, I know it's a huge p- question, potentially. <laughs> yeah. So there's, you know, a lot of people gave a lot of different verses and, uh, you know, there was, of course, Daniel as uh, the classic example of, uh, you know, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but uh, we're engaging in spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. Right. So, y- you know, that, that whole passage of Daniel 10 and showing how inter- intercessory prayer is just necessary uh, and, and demons and angels are fighting, and sometimes our prayers aren't getting to us because it's stuck in the the postal workers or you know they're yeah. battling it out. You know that that was one of them that I had to to tackle. But you know I, I get into the notion of apocalyptic literature, and um, I, I don't think it has anything to do with uh, prayer and petition in the way that it it really brings a foundational aspect to petitionary prayer. Uh, but, but anyway, I, I talk all about that. And, you know, James was a real one, a uh, real big one, right? James, you know, uh, you know, telling us uh, we need to pray and intercede. Look, look at Elijah. Mm-hmm. Look what Elijah did, right? What a man of God, a man of faith. He could make the rain stop. Yeah. And, and so, you know, people brought that verse and, you know, I had to really ask myself and uh, look at whether or not there was something to that. And I, I really asked honestly, right? The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Mm-hmm. Well, is this true? But then I looked at the, the context, and of course it's praying for, for in my opinion, praying for individuals uh, for the most part, right? The context, James is encouraging the elders of the church to lay hands on and pray for the sick. So for me, the face-to-face, hands-on praying, that makes sense. There's a lot of validity research-wise, certainly biblical-wise. But then the bringing the whole Elijah aspect of it, Elijah was a human being like us and prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain in the earth. And so I go through the whole thing of, listen, that doesn't sound like the God of love to me. Um, and I, I have what I call the quadrilateral or hermeneutic of love. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's, it's how I look at other verses and to see if it really lines up with uh, who God is as uh, the, the loving uh, God that I know. Right. So it's based on the fruit of the spirit, the biblical definition of love, the only explicit parabolic picture Jesus gave of God the Father found in the story of what I call the prodigal father and the radical self-giving others empowers life of Jesus Christ. So I said, there is no way in any place that God is going to cause a drought for three years 
to wreak havoc on the earth where humans would die, animals would die, a lot of creation would be harmed in the process. That's what God of love is going to do to teach people a lesson. I, no, I can't accept that. So I have to say, what else is going on behind the scenes? And for me, mm-hmm. uh, there's other things going on behind the scenes that don't lend itself to a literal understanding that God really caused the drought. But people really don't want to hear stuff like that. It's very uh, anxiety. Because the Bible says so. I know. I And listen, it's not... I'm not saying that uh, something didn't happen, right? right? There probably was an Elijah guy. There probably was a drought that lasted for a long time. But we're story-making creatures. We're meaning-making creatures. And many years after the event, as people are contemplating this and passing down oral stories, they're probably going to add in a few details here, uh, right. even with the the character of who God is. Yeah, it, it's interesting to me that you have a journey from, well, you get rain if you please God or the gods. And if you don't, you don't get rain. If you don't, if you're not pleasing or you don't do the right sacrifices to the new Testament where God provides rain for the the good and the bad. There's this mm. progression that can get lost. If you're caught up in the details of every word need needing to carry equal authority. But if you can see the kind of the big picture going, moving towards and culminating in Christ, you can start to see or start to really question and, and ask the tough questions and not be afraid to explore in light of, of, uh, of just a perfect self-sacrificial love. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and that's one of the, aspects of that quadrilateral hermeneutic of love I'm talking about. So is, is, you know, is God causing a drought for three years? Does that sound like the fruit of the spirit to kill people, animals, creatures? I mean, does that sound like the biblical definition of love? Does that sound like the prodigal, something the prodigal father would do? Or would, as you allude to, the, you know, Jesus, who God manifests in the flesh, all the fullness of the deity dwelt in him in bodily form. The answer is no. So I'm not saying that it's not, we should not wrestle with it as a community. We should. It, it is our sacred text. And I, I, I honor the sacred text. I, I don't worship it, but I wrestle through it with the community. How does this apply to our lives all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It's God breathed in some capacity. Why? So that every man and woman, we'd be able to do good works. I mean, we'd be able to love in a greater capacity. That's what it's about. Yeah. I, I recently heard, I think it was Brian McLaren who didn't, he was one of the endorsers of your book, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I think he says, and I know others have said things like it, that the Bible is less like less of a constitution and more of a conversation, which can be scary yeah. if we need it to be our authority to be able to, you know, have ironclad certainty about all things. Um, but I, I'm just no. not there anymore. I know, man, if Scott were here, he'd have some good, he'd probably have some decent pushback. He's kind of the conservative wing of our podcast. Um, I, I listen, I need pushback. Yeah. I'm not kidding. I go I like on that. a pod. I, I I go on a podcast. And I'm like, all right. You're telling me what you appreciated about the book. Tell me what you don't agree with, and what doesn't resonate with you. 
for me, that's like that's that's grist for the mill, man. Nice. That's that's gold. I because I, listen, I'm not God. I'm a white male living in a certain period of time in a certain geographical location with certain experiences, familial, church-wise. My view of things is very small. I'm offering, this is my investigation, deconstruction, reconstruction of petitionary prayer. There's others out there. Uh, This does not have the God's golden seal of approval, as I say. But let's wrestle through it. You know, I want to learn too. Well, Mark, I I listen to your story, and it seems that so many of us, including myself, go through experiences, and that shapes uh, our mission in life, or at least a piece of our life and our mission. And you went through this moment in time praying for your mom, praying for your brother, and things did not work out. The church prayed, and things did not work out and in the way that you had prayed for. And and then there's this... So I'm g- going to give you pushback. Oh, so, great. great. So, then, <laughs> so then there's this rebellion in, in terms of petitionary prayer that this is just begging. We were just begging. We're not in line with God. God doesn't care. He's, God's loving us. God's loving us. God's here with us. And yet we, we go and we pray things that we have no idea if God's in line with saving my mom, saving my brother, saving whomever or traveling mercies, or whatever it might be. And and when things don't go our way, and it's catastrophic in our lives, mm-hmm. it it shapes us, and, and so now there's this questioning that you have with petitionary prayer. Like, yeah. this is just begging. We're begging God, and we're not in line. And I'm going to play Scott f- for a moment, who's the third yeah, that's yeah. not here. Um isn't it our responsibility to be as as Christians to be praying um, to be in line, but to also be praying to be hopeful? And wouldn't these this prayer, you know, um, heal my my brother, heal my mother, heal my family, or whatever it might be? That there's almost a a fuel tank of of believers and if we stop praying if we stop um with our spirit of praying regardless if it's maybe it seems like begging are we are we not giving up on god when we do that we're like you know this is what's what's the point i'm just gonna stop praying because none of this even matters i mean that we if that was the case we'd be we'd be in a really bad place because there's probably 95% of the, the prayers that are being prayed today are petitionary prayers. Huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, th- there, there's a lot there, but let me share some of my thoughts. Listen, I deconstruct a lot, but I spend a whole section of the book in reconstruction. I am not telling people not to pray. What I'm what I'm what I'm doing is number one, I'm hoping to reshape our view of God when we pray. And two, as far as petitionary prayer, in that reshaping the view of God, I'm trying to get us to a point where 
we don't get stuck thinking that what's holding this person back from healing is a loving God. Um, so in my book, I talk about let's let's pray, let's pray without ceasing. Let's let's and so I say, let's have a relationship with God where we share everything we got at every moment with Him. I'm not saying don't have a relationship with Him. What I'm saying is it's one thing to pray because we love God, we're in relationship, and we want to share our hearts. And it's another to pray just thinking God, God's a genie in a bottle, right? And for me, that's that's where it comes. What's our motivation of praying? Like we need to ask ourselves, would we still pray to God and share our heart for our requests if we knew that he couldn't single-handedly control events and instantly give us what we wanted. And our honest answer shines a light on our primary motive in prayer. It is possible that some people's prayer lives would radically diminish once they realize God is not the all-powerful deity who can instantly make things happen in the world. Listen, some people would prefer to treat prayer as a drive-through window where they can place their order quickly and one-sidedly without much engagement with the other party rather than as an intimate meal in which both parties set the table and cook the food together. Right, there's, for me, let's pray, let's maintain relationship. Like, I'm still praying for my brother, mm -hmm. of course. I'm st Like, I'm praying for friends. Someone says, Mark, will you pray with me? I say, pray for me, I say, I will pray with God for you. I will. But I'm, I'm not praying with an idea that God's going to sort of love them better. Right or single-handedly do something different that God's not already doing. But I'm praying because God is my God and I'm in a relationship with him. So I hope people get that. It's not, I'm not saying don't pray. I'm just saying, what's our view of God in prayer? And let's, if we're praying petitionary prayer in, in particular, that is particular prayer where we're trying to get God to act differently in the world. And all I'm saying is let's do that more effectively if our primary aim is for God to love in a greater capacity. So I guess I would look at prayer as my kids look at me as their father. Because So in the world, I'm kind of their God. You're, you're their God. Just, uh, just, that's fine. <laughs> my wife's amazing, but <laughs> uh -huh. anyway, they ask for everything. And it's almost like they're praying. They're they're praying for it. You know, could could we have this? Could we do this? And some of it's ridiculous. They're certainly they they then find my limits, and it's like, nope, Dad's not going there, and your father's not going to you know go down this path with you. Whatever X, Y, and Z is. However, there are some things that you ask for mm -hmm. to cross over that you pray for that end up coming to fruition. And it's because you end up being in line with the Father. and But you, mm -hmm. you find out through asking where, where yeah. that line is. And I don't know if that's a, a good example or not, but people... But, but you're to, for me, when, when I'm listening to you, you're, you're saying what's something I agree with. When we pray, we change. Mm -hmm. Our perspective changes. We start to see, like, you ever play Punch Buggy? I didn't know what the heck Punch Buggies were. Me neither. Or the, <laughs> and then I started seeing them all over the place. Right. There's something about keeping things in prayer with God 
that I think opens our eyes to what God's doing in the world and increases the possibility of actually achieving that which we hope for. Um, but, you know, I think you're alluding to prayer changes us, our perspective. Yeah. Yes. I yeah. mean, that's for me, that's a different, that's something I'm not really talking about. Um, mm-hmm. If anything, I'm saying, heck yeah. If there's a, a primary purpose in in one of the primary purposes in prayer, particularly petitionary prayer, it's to change us and motivate us. God, how can we be your literal hands and feet in the world? And and I do differentiate between basic needs and discretionary needs. My my aim is more towards the basic needs, right? It's it's. It's the prayers that we're praying for God to love, heal, save, and deliver from the most fundamental obstacles to human flourishing. For example, a basic need is to be free from poverty. God never desires that people be deprived of sustenance and starved to death. Another basic need is to be free from racism and oppression. It's never God's will for people to suffer discrimination because of the way they look, for example, or because of their gender, sexual orientation, race, or so on. Our basic needs include the necessity of a world free from violence and genocide, right? We can go on and on. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's kind of what I'm really tackling. Basic needs are an already and yes and amen to God. And if we're praying in a way that we think that God doesn't want that uh, shalom to happen or is blocking us from achieving that or somehow is waiting for the 50th person to pray or... Because this prayer is really big, he needs a thousand to pray in the megachurch. Man, I just think we got it all wrong. God always wants the basic needs to be accomplished. I think the only obstacle is us as human beings, not God. And that's why I'm so passionate about this. Yeah, it's like a, a realignment to realizing how much how much power we do have or are expected to use like in partnership with what God is doing in the kingdom, we are a part of that. And instead of relying on just God, God's perceived power to, to fix things, um, yeah. partnering with God and doing, doing what we can in that. Wouldn't God, wouldn't a loving, compassionate God already want to do the most loving thing that us puny humans are Absolutely. hoping and wishing God. So listen, I, I say every 10 seconds, a child dies from hunger, right? Every 98 seconds, another American is sexually assaulted. Every 33.5 minutes, someone is murdered. I'm sorry. That's not the will of God for those things to take place. And if we believe that praying to God in a certain manner, at a certain volume and with certain words will convince God to single-handedly root out prejudice reduce hate crimes, solve the problem of homelessness, heal drug addicts, stop people from committing arson, stop rapes from occurring, and so on. They're engaging in magical thinking and superstition of the worst kind. Oh, man. this I knew this was going to happen. We just probably have a few more minutes with you, and this is so deep and could go so much longer. <laughs> uh, but you did touch on, like, you mentioned God's control, or potentially mm. lack of control. And your chapter on the uncontrolling love of God uh, was yeah. pretty mind-blowing. Do you mind talking about that a little bit? Is 
is God uncontrolling because he chooses not to, or is maybe uncontrolling just part of his nature? Yeah. This is a huge shift and not everyone's on board with this, yeah, right? But this, get, this gets into theodicy. This gets into why and how a good and awesome God, how he interacts with evil and suffering in the world, right? So this is based on Thomas Ord's work, uh, a large part of it. And so his notion is that, listen, uh, it's not that God can stop evil events from occurring, but chooses not to. But it's that God can't. And why can't God? Because God's nature is love. And and, and love does not control. So, for example, let's say a horrific event happened. A woman was raped. It's not that God chose not to deliver the woman from rape. It's that because of God's loving nature, God could not stop that from occurring because God's nature is not to control or coerce. And because of that, God could not single-handedly flick that rapist in the head and knock him out unconscious. Which is super scary. If, if you haven't contemplated this idea of God and his control or lack thereof, it, I could imagine people freaking out like a God that's not actually in control is kind of a scary thing. Yeah, it really is. But listen, God can't do a lot of things, right? God can't lie. Yeah. No one's up, up up in a roar about that, right? Uh, God can't be prejudiced. God can't stop being God. There are, there are a few things that God cannot do. And is it possible that God cannot? Stop. Because what's the alternative? The alternative is, I believe in a God who is arbitrarily healing and saving and delivering some and not others. Yeah, that's scarier my, to me. My my view of God is God can stop uh, a baby from being raped, and God does some of the time. That's how powerful my God is. But in God's plan he chooses not to save and heal, deliver some people. Really? Is that, is that, is that a better God that I'm trying to portray? Let's wrestle with that. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure. I like that you have the freedom and the, the strength and the courage to wrestle with that. Because so many people, we fall back on, for better or worse, I, th- I think mostly for worse, on, well... Who are like, yeah, who are you to say what God can and can't do? Which, technically correct, we are not God, but I, I think you giving yourself permission to wrestle with this stuff is uh, it's challenging and it's 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 great. I think it's a net benefit for people to wrestle through these things. And we end up and we end up creating a small God if we think we can control our God. It's it would be uh, back to my father reference. If my kids asked me whatever they're asking me and I gave them everything, um, mm-hmm. it reminds me of the Jim Carrey, um, Bruce Almighty movie where he just says yes to all the millions of prayers and there's just total chaos um, in the streets because everybody got what they wanted and victory and wealth and all the above and and to be able to do that to our God, um, or to be able to manipulate God, um, 
in our our begging and our wants and our selfishness um, is exactly why we need to be in line and probably praying to be in line with God's will as opposed to um, I I want this and, and it's it's a it's a dangerous thing. So, yeah. Well, uh, I'm I'm assuming God's will would be better than anything we can fathom. Amen. Uh, I'm assuming. But um, you know, I do I do make some room for praying discretionary prayers. It's not basic for basic needs, right? It's you know, hey God, you know, I I'm I I'm not sure I, I want to move out here. I want I want this kind of car. You know, I mean, God <laughs> God loves us. God loves when we pray. Maybe God has a location that would be an ideal location where he could really see us flourish if we moved. But would would God like a GPS, you know, if we went another direction, would God change course with us? Yeah, I mean, that's what being in a dialogical relationship is all about. Um, but if we're talking about basic needs, um, and I think a lot of petitionary prayers are in regards to basic needs, save, heal, deliver, set free, no more oppression, no more racism, no more violence. Yeah, like I said, that's already a yes and amen to God, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Oh, man. So good. Uh, I have a couple couple quick questions. Is that okay? Let's do it. All right. So uh, give me a couple book recommendations, and they could be anything uh, besides your own, which I heavily recommend, and we'll have everything in our show notes and stuff like that. But a couple book recommendations for people. Um, well, anything from uh, Thomas Ord, I would certainly stop uh, start there. Um, That's good. The uh, uncontrolling love of God, and it was, uh, you know, it was a, a very, um, very good book. Won the Reader's Choice of Award on InterVarsity Press. So, you know, that book is uh, doing very well. I think everyone should read it if they want to learn more about the uncontrolling love of God. Now, I'm I wouldn't call myself a process theologian, but um, there there are some process uh, theologians that you might want to read. Uh, Bruce Epperly has a book, Praying with Process Theology. Uh, that's, uh, that's a good book. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, in, in the book, I, there's a whole, uh, actually, bibliography of uh, things that they could look at. So, awesome. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm very, I mean, I've read Peter Rollins and Rob Bell. I actually read a lot of psychology, so I'm, I'm thinking don't recommend psychology. Marjorie, I think, Sukaki, uh, if that's how you pronounce her name, she wrote a book, God, uh, Christ Church, A Practical God to Process Theology, which was uh, pretty good. Another one in God's Presence, Theological Reflections on Prayer. Uh, that was written by her as well. But yeah, I mean, just if readers are interested more about this topic and, you know, I'm a very accessible author. I want to wrestle with, I'm wrestling with all kinds of people who are emailing me. I don't have all the answers. I'm, I'm getting some good stuff just wrestling with people. So shoot me an email. You should you know? really pray to get the answers, Mark. <laughs> Listen, I, prayer, your prayer is powerful. It don't is. get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I'm just messing around with you. I know. I know so if know. people want to email you, what's that? Uh, Mark at conspiringprayer.com. Okay. I love and, conspiring yeah. prayer. I love, I love that title. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. sweet. Me too. I um, gave it a cheesy title in, in the beginning. But uh, through prayer and through praying with God, I had a, a, a you know, showed me a better way. Awesome. Um, <laughs> Amen. Uh, okay. So you're walking into the always open gates of the new Jerusalem mm. and, and they're playing your walk-in music. Like if you're a fighter walking up to the <laughs> ring, what is your walk-in music? Walk-in music. You know, as soon as you said that, I could not help but think of Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> it, it was probably my early love for Rocky, but um, man, that still pumps me up. You know, maybe, it, maybe shows my age a little bit, but <laughs> hey, screw the age thing. My girls were doing soccer, and they would have me play it every time on the way to a soccer game. Oh, okay, okay. yeah, it's nice. it's so it's got a little timeless flair. Yeah, I feel a little younger. Thank you. Uh, so uh, you mentioned the email, but what are where can people find you? Obviously, the book's available everywhere, but your website? Yep. Conspiringprayer.com. Uh, there's some, you know, if people want to get a sort of a side-by-side diagram of what traditional prayer looks like uh, in contrast to what I'm calling conspiring prayer. We didn't talk too much about that particular model of prayer, but yeah, I mean, just just check that site out. I have a, a short uh, Q and A video on there, and uh, just reach out to me and um, love to hear from some of your listeners. Awesome. And you uh, are you taking? Do you still take clients for your counseling? Is that something you want to promote? You know, I, no. Okay. <laughs> You're an ad, no. you are yeah. an adjunct professor. Yes. Yes. Where at? Yeah. Alliant International University. Okay. Is that Dan? Yeah. Is that San Diego? Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nice. Yeah. That's, you know, the, another whole side of me is the whole psychology, uh, mm-hmm. therapy, uh, spiritual formation right. stuff. But nice. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, guys. All right. Really yeah, appreciate you. you coming on. No doubt. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Looking forward to what's next. Hey, what is next? You working on a new book? No, I'm working on finishing my doctorate. Yeah, that's something. That'll take some. T- that'll take some effort. <laughs> <laughs> All the best. Yeah. All right, thanks. We'll be praying no for you. Yeah, we'll be praying hey, for you. Finish no that doctorate doubt. in that's flying that. colors. Let's pray and act justly and love mercy and walk humbly with our God, guys. Yes, amen. amen. All right, take thanks, care, Mark. All right, talk to you later. Peace. Bye. Rusty came in to be kind of an observer. Say hi, Rusty. Hi, Rusty. <laughs> Who? Rusty's my brother-in-law. We've mentioned you before. Actually, recently we gave you straight up props for your beer. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. I've been on the show a couple times <clears throat> early, early on. It's been uh, far too long, but it's it's awesome that you're here. I got a text from Scott halfway through the interview. What time? Question mark. Nice. <laughs> what an idiot. He's so <laughs> single. He he relies on or need, he doesn't need to do anything for anybody any day of his life. So <laughs> schedules don't even matter. Nope. There was for, well, there was accidents coming up here and stuff too, so. Yeah. No. no it's been excuses. in the calendar. Fair we enough. love you, Scott. Uh, I do want to mention, he mentioned uh, the quadrilateral a couple times. 
and in case people don't know, I know it's been mentioned before. I was totally lost on that one. By the Reverend Sarah Heath. He mentioned quadrilateral. I'm going to read the definition of the Wesleyan quadrilateral. It's not a great word if you've had a beer or three. (laughs) But it's a methodology for theological reflection that is credited to John Wesley. Okay, so basically scripture, tradition, reason, and personal experience. And combining those four... They form the quadrilateral on how we are, understand God and filter information. So I, which is a departure from. So I truly believe in that. Right. It makes it makes sense, but Scott would probably lean. He would now. Scripture is mentioned first for a reason. I don't care what Scott thinks. Well, I'm He's just, not here. He can't well, speak for himself. I'm playing devil's advocate. Scott would probably put scripture, scripture, scripture. And scripture. But Scott, I had this <laughs> experience with God. Explain to me how that has to do with scripture. All right. So leave Scott out of it. What? Any thoughts? Rusty, any thoughts? You came in kind of halfway through. You missed, he kind of was like going through his deconstruction of prayer. Like what it says about God. If we ask God, if we ask God to heal somebody, does that mean God won't? want to heal them unless we ask. And he, we kind of explored that and you came in. Are we just begging God when we pray right. for healing or wealth or job or whatever? I don't know because doesn't God want us to talk to him? Doesn't he want us to come to him with all of our that's wants and That's a really needs? good point. That That's what, you know, from the most superficial to the most serious. And, and he did say something... I mean, he brought up a lot of interesting points. Um, sorry, the hop juice is kicking in. Um, That's Left Coast Brewing Company. Rusty works there. Sometimes. Uh, no, just kidding. I do. Um, <laughs> Not for long. No, I <laughs> I do. In case he, any of those people listen. Um, shoot. Sorry. Keep going. He mentioned a couple things that were interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when it, you're, you're talking about the rape and and you know if or or the death of children or starvation or that sort of thing, my thought is we don't know why he why certain people are saved and why people uh, are raped or murdered or whatever. But God's will ultimately ends up revealing itself and coming through. Typically, I think maybe it's on us to choose if we what we do with it. You know, if if you were, I was in a car accident recently, right? And and sorry, I forgot to pray for your traveling mercies. Well, I appreciate that, but <laughs> Jeff, but you son of a bitch! At it's the time, fault. there's all these things going through your head. Oh my gosh, you know how hurt am I? Is the other people hurt? And then you you realize, okay, we're fine. And then it's like, oh what's this going to do with my insurance rates as a car total, you know, and it's, I think it's on you. Like, no, God saved you for a reason. And then what you do, where is your attitude with that? What are you, what do you do with that? Exactly. That's what I would say. And then the other part that I found interesting, interesting was he, uh, spoke about gender equality, uh, racism, and um, genocide and that sort of thing. And then that kind of brings me back to 
the Tower of Babel and why God dispersed everybody in the first place. And I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but yeah, ultimately peace is supposed to be among everyone, but at the moment that's not the situation. Right. Right. Wait a second. Your your comment on peace. Sorry, I'm chewing on chips here. There are um, good chips. And and the idea did you say that we're supposed to have peace? I would say eventually. I think we're supposed to be at peace. Ooh. Like in the midst of the storm. Let me clarify. Exactly. Okay. That in the struggles, in the death, in the catastrophic, we're to be at peace because we know God's got us. We're God's children. Okay, I'm glad you said children. And you did just say you, we are gods, and then you stopped. That was a long pause. <laughs> Actually, in a certain way, I said cer- I was swallowing the chips. I'm swallowing the chips. I had to pause. So, but the idea is, people they think that they're looking at the world and they're saying, "They're God wants peace." No, God wants us to be at peace. And there's a huge, significant difference between. The two. One is, how come there's war? How come there's bad things happening? Well, because there's bad, of course. But be at peace that all this stuff that's going on is going to happen. And in the tornado of it all, be at peace. I'm with you. And I have a, an example of a neighbor whose child died early on. And that week, I spotted him in a parking lot. And he's like having this conversation and sharing Christ. And then he saw me and I stopped. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's my neighbor. And his daughter just died. And he finished the conversation. He came over to me. I'm like, hey. And he's like, hey, how's it, how's it going? Praise the Lord. I'm like, my God, this is what at peace is. Like, I know where I'm going, and I know who I belong to. And that was just world-shattering. Like, the way he was responding, just, it floored me. Peace that... uh, It goes beyond our understanding. Yes. So, a big theme... Let's we're gonna bug out of here. Uh, but a big theme in Romans and actually I think a lot of Paul's stuff is the restoration of all things and the reconciliation of all things. And people can argue about what that means. That's a big broad term that can open a can of worms. I tend to think the the intention is all things, not just some of all things, which is probably where uh you know, some of our other, our brethren and sisterin would, would land that it's not actually all things. But anyways, I think that's, that's what we're working towards here and now in the, in the meantime, in the, people will say there's cliches already, but not yet. We're kind of in the in-between. Um, N.T. Wright has this awesome thing about the, like the Bible being about life after life after death. Like the, the goal is, not where we go when we die. It's the 
it's heaven coming to earth and the, the restoration of all things. And I think we play a part in that now. So I agree. And I think Mark is a part of people asking the tough questions to his intention is for that. I think the, which is, it's important to just continue yeah. conversations. And I love how he was like, please push back at me. We didn't push back nearly as much as if Scott were here. Right. Um, but he was like, man, do it, bring it. Let's talk about it. And that's, that's awesome. So much of our lives are like, keep the people we disagree with away yep. and, and maintain our echo chamber and people that agree with us to basically stroke our egos. I don't know if the conversation would have just gone sideways if Scott were here. I mean, he's doing the devil's work. <laughs> he doesn't believe in Christ yet. I mean, he's getting there. He's getting there. Scott, if you're listening to this since you weren't here, hey. Bless your heart. Yeah. God bless your heart. <laughs> he gets the bless your heart award. <laughs> Russ, you were saying something? What were you, you had closing thoughts? Yeah, I'm sorry that uh, I agree with you guys because it would That probably, Scott's not a believer. <laughs> <laughs> we'll lead to a more interesting show, but no, I, I'm with you on it. Oh. Thanks for the beer, Rusty. Thank you. Unofficially sponsored by Left Coast. Unofficially. Definitely unof- unofficially. It's pretty unofficial. If they want to make it official, we'll talk. Hey, want to have a, a, a five-word five uh, review of the beer that you drank tonight? Ooh. Oh, yeah. sure. Yes. Bringing back some old times. Man, which one? Well, what did you have? I had... Well, yeah, do, the, do that one. This one? Oh, yeah. I'm going to let Jeff do this one. Okay. Jeff drank Omission Brewing Company IPA, bold and hoppy, crafted to remove gluten. Okay, it definitely put my O face on. It has a big O That's the more than five okay. words. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, uh, citrus, sweet, smooth, tasty, satisfying. Wow. Omission Brewing Company. IPA, bold and happy for Morgan. Good job, guys. Well, technically Widmere, but... It does Widmere. Oh, look at you dropping some powerful brewery knowledge. Widmere makes it. Okay. They're part of the craft alliance that AB InBev owns. That's not knocking them. I'm just stating facts. So technically it's not... They want it to be craft beer, but it's really part of one of the big guns. Hey, you know what? People got to eat, so... Good beer is good beer. It's true. And hey, InBev, you want to start sending us cases of... You know, space that. dust. Space oh dust. God, fantastic. Omission and space dust. Just send away. <laughs> space dust or what? St. Archer? No, that's uh, Miller Coors. How dare you, Scott, say that Miller Coors didn't brew, makes, uh, buys. Okay, you're five words for arrogant, arrogant bastard, bastard ale. ale. This kind is of a go to for Zach. Sorry. F- it is a foundational beer for me. For years. I don't know if it's five words, but caramely. Malty. If that comes through, I'm bleeping that. I don't like bleeping things, but we'll I'm going to save you. We'll you are, you, sir, work for a church. <laughs> pray for me. And oh, pray for me. God. Oh, this is one time we'll, we'll edit that out. We will actually edit that out. <laughs> that is such bull. <laughs> Wait, you got caramel, malty. You could be talking about... Caramel, a caramel uppercut to the butt. That was five. That was 
<laughs> We're out of here. Parentheses in the best possible way. <laughs> Caveat. That's horrible. You're such a. All right. Grace, peace, cheers. Grace, peace, cheers. Grace, peace, cheers. Thanks for joining us, Rusty. Thanks for having me. Yeah.